You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello, I am Rick Franzi, and you are listening to Orange County's longest-running business talk show, and I think we're going to have a great show for you today. You may be saying, well, why is that, Rick? That's because Chris Bayaki is our guest. He's the founder and CEO of Res- <laughs> Resolute Philanthropy. Uh, Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rick. I'm really glad to be here today. And uh, We're both looking dapper, you more than I, but look at us. We dressed up for the event, right? You know, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's nonsense below the camera line, but yeah, up here. <laughs> yeah, we, don't, we don't want to go there. That. Yeah. Why don't we start with your origin story? You know, what, what was your motivation, kind of the background and inspiration to start your firm? Sure. Well, I've been in the nonprofit space for uh, quite some time doing uh, direct line fundraising, special events, grants, pretty much everything. And I noticed a couple things. I noticed that when done right, when you've got a, a powerful and engaged fundraising staff and a really put together and strategic fundraising program, you can really elevate and, and accelerate a nonprofit's mission. And I've seen the opposite too, when a, a nonprofit's mission is really put at risk because of fundraising strategies that just aren't working out. And I realized that with my experience and my passion for this business, I could help more nonprofit agencies really get that confidence and that clarity around fundraising so their missions don't have to suffer because you know nobody starts a nonprofit because they really want to fundraise. They start a nonprofit because they want to change the world. And I can help them do that, um, at least on the fundraising side, by helping them really get some clarity and moving in the right direction. You know, that's such an important aspect of nonprofits. And um, there are so many different words for it. But in the end, it is fundraising, it is selling to some degree, convincing people and spread influence to help you to support your mission. And yeah, so- I mean, there, there's always an element of sales there. But but you know, when it's done right, that it's when it's done right, you create a, a relationship with a donor, and that donor really becomes part of your team and really mm-hmm. becomes part of your there's a there's a sense of loyalty and commitment that comes with donors um when they're cultivated when when the nonprofit is really taking the time to build that relationship that really goes beyond kind of a transactional conversation and it's really this relational um element and those donors can can really make some magic happen for an organization they're all important aren't they i wonder since you've launched your firm have you what have you learned about what you're doing? Uh, I've learned a lot. I'm 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 fairly new in the field. I launched the firm in October, um, so in you know in the setup to, to to prepping for that, I had to learn all the things you have to learn as far as how do you start a business and how do you get business insurance and how do you you know do all that stuff. But more importantly, I think I learned that there's so many people out there who are who have been on this path that I have been and and they're eager to and willing to and excited to help and to answer. I have people who are answering my questions and fellow fundraising consultants and people who are like, here, here's how I did. Here's my story. So really what I learned is even though you it's, you know, I'm a one man shop and it's a, it's a one person organization. I'm really not alone because there's other people that are on this journey. Um, they're far, they're maybe ahead, ahead of me, uh, right. but they've been able to help me out. So, you know, I, I know that it's very important to plan your business before you launch, but I also equally believe 
there's just some things you can't learn until you start getting into the marketplace and doing. I'm wondering, in the early stages of your company, have you had any pivots to what you originally thought you were going to do to where you're finding the market finds most value in you? Um, I won't say I had any. I haven't had any major pivots yet. But but what I've had to adjust is is, you know, my. I had to make sure I was putting myself in my clients' my you know headspace that mm. um, they my clients have a million things on their plate. I am but one of them. So even though I'm I'm really like ready to go, I'm like, <laughs> let's 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 meet, let's do this and that and that. I, I maybe have to slow it down a little bit because my clients are also trying to execute on their mission and work with their staff, and there's all those things happening. So it's just like remembering that even though this is the single most important thing happening right now for me, it's an important thing for somebody else. So just that little adjustment. Yeah, that's a that's a good lesson to learn. And thank you for sharing it. I, I'd like to dig into the business a little bit more. So I'm wondering if you could talk about Resolute, like who do you help? Mm -hmm. What problems are you solving? Mm -hmm. And wh why are these nonprofit leaders choosing to work with you? What are you finding? Sure. Well, the organizations I'm looking to work with are are nonprofit organizations, usually small to mid-size at this point. And what I'm, you know, I, my catchphrase is I say I'm, I'm helping them with clarity and confidence around fundraising. What that really means or what that really looks like is fundraising strategy. It means um, coaching and development services for both staff and board members. It means helping, helping a nonprofit really focus in on one particular channel or one particular element of their fundraising and making sure it's operating exactly how it's supposed to operate. Why they would work with me is because they are a, they have got, they've got a fundraising program that's just not delivering the results that they think it should, or maybe they have a staff that doesn't feel as engaged or empowered or energized, or maybe they're just starting out and they want to create a fundraising program and they're not even sure where to begin. Those are all things that would indicate, hey, you probably want to, you know, give me a call and let's talk about it because there's so much, there's so much potential out there. And there's so many ways you can make this fundraising program really sing for you. Um, but you got to get started on the right foot. So you must have obviously sensed, as you said earlier, that there is an opportunity for people to want to hire you to help them to do this. If you could, just off the top of your head, Chris, like what are some common misconceptions, mistakes, errors that nonprofit leaders have in the area of planning how they're going to approach donors or manage this all-important function of bringing money into their nonprofit so that they may be able to deliver the service? So I, I'd say the, the three three common errors that, that you see in the nonprofit space when it comes to fundraising. The first is about, is actually kind of what I talked about earlier. It's assuming that the donor or the potential donor is coming to the table with the same amount of passion and knowledge and insight to the mission as you have. And when your expectations are off kilter like that, you're going to be disappointed. So you have to be you have to meet your donors where they are and bring them along on this journey. You can't just assume that, hey, I stay up nights thinking about this mission, so should you. They're not going to do that. You've got to meet them where they are. The second thing that nonprofits struggle with in the fundraising field sometimes is actually just actually making the ask. Like you have mm. to, you can plan all you want and you have to make a plan and you have to have goals and measurements and metrics. You've got to know your data. You've got to really have the, the 
the science part. Fundraising is an art and a science. You've got to have that science part locked in. But it will not work if you're not actually asking and asking specific people for specific things. So that's the second um, kind of trouble spot. And the third is donor stewardship. And that's the activity or the, the art of making a donor feel that uh, or showing your donors your gratitude for their gift, showing your donors the impact of their giving, making them feel like their gift has made a difference, making them feel like they are still at the table and kind of keeping that communication and that relationship with the donor going. Too many nonprofits falter because they're maybe so overworked or maybe they're so excited to get the gift that they kind of forget about the donor and the donor doesn't hear back from them until they need another gift. And I think we've, we've probably all experienced that in our life. And it's a real, it's a, you don't feel good. You don't feel loved or, or seen when that happens. So that's sort of really understanding where your donors are in terms of their perception of your mission, actually making that specific direct ask, and then having a really robust steward, stewardship program. Those are three really common um, trouble spots for nonprofits. That's, that's interesting. I, I think I want to follow up on the last point. And, and, and is it, in your opinion, a best practice for nonprofits to, once they've secured a donor, to figure out how to get them even more involved in the nonprofit? Is that is that valuable, or is it yeah, better, I, or is it better to maintain sort of a distance from the uh, donor to some degree? I think you always want to be inviting donors to do more with you. Now that okay. doesn't necessarily mean you gave me $10 and in two weeks, I'm going to ask you for, 20. <laughs> you know, like that's not right. what I'm saying, but okay. in terms of knowing more about your mission, volunteering, joining committees, attending events, getting to know, like, it's, it's, it's really called relation. It's relationship building. And if you think about the people in your life that, you, that you're in a relationship with, maybe you're someone you know, you met them through LinkedIn and you're, you're starting to exchange messages. Um, you probably have a sense of like, yeah, I'm going to invite this person to a company event, or I'm going to, you know, talk about this topic instead. I think it's rare that we take a relationship and say like, Oh, I like Rick just exactly where he is. No more. We're done. We're going to hold you still. Now people may say, no, I don't want to do more. And that's okay. Right. But it's really, I think you really want to make the effort and make a real genuine invitation to bring people closer to the table because the mission your nonprofit is, is working on, it's important and it deserves people's support and respect and, and, and engagement. And I think if we're not actively inviting people to support and be engaged with us, they'll, they'll drift away. Something else will take your place. There's a lot of competition for their attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. A couple more follow-up questions, if you don't mind, just because you're right, triggering ahead, yeah. other, other thoughts in my mind. Um, how valuable is it, in your opinion, for these size nonprofits to have some type of <clears throat> annual or periodic event that is an event designed to be both a fundraiser, but also some type of catalyst of a relationship and awareness, et cetera? Okay, good. That's a great question. And uh, we probably don't have time for me to go into all of my thoughts about events, but okay. I'll say this. Um, if your special event is raising money and building community, then it's probably worth pursuing and investing in. And 
the trick is, I think, the trick is your special event needs to be specific to your mission and your organization. So here, here's an example. When I was working with the team at Habitat for Humanity of Orange County, one of our signature events was a home construction competition with CEOs and, and business leaders from across the county. It was called Leaders Build a Day. And mm -hmm. it was construction teams. And then there was construction themed competitions and games like one year, our volunteers built a mini golf course, like a three-hole mini golf course on the on the construction site. Um, and that was a great event because it built, it built a lot of camaraderie and raised a lot of money. But what made it special was that there was no other nonprofit in the county that could reasonably do that event. It doesn't make sense for a food bank to do a construction project. That's the kind of connection. You want to have the smallest possible line between your event and what your mission is. Some event formats that are very traditional, like your galas or your golf tournaments, right. are very comfortable. And there's great things to be said about them. But it's rare that they actually have that connective tissue. And it's rare that they're actually generating an opportunity for people to get to know and fall in love and get engaged with your mission. So I would say, yes, it's important to have gatherings because it is important to build community. It's important for people to feel like they are a part of something that are not just, you know, receiving emails and, and, and mail. But if your special events are very far removed from the day-to-day -day reality of your organization or really far removed from your mission, then you have to ask yourself, is this really serving my needs? Is really serving the organization? Because, you know, events are expensive. Events take time. Every, every hour your team is spending working on an event is an hour they're not out there building contacts with, with donors. So you really have to be, um, I think, thoughtful about how you approach them. Yeah, I thought you'd have some valuable insight. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for sharing a little of bit course, of with our a audience. Yeah, yeah, just a touch. Um, I'd, li I'd like to go back to the leader, the the director, the executive director, whatever the title may be for the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. and, and you said earlier, when you make your ask, be comfortable with it, be specific. Has it been your experience, though, that some of the nonprofit leaders are comfortable asking people for donations? Oh, and, some of them are. Okay. And if they aren't, how do you help them to see that they need to become comfortable? Because they do, right? They need to, they do. They need to be comfortable doing that. They do. I, you know, it, it, like anything else, it's a skill and we, we get, we get better at skill through practice. So mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it's worth practicing with board, you know, practice with a board member who, you know, is going to say yes to the gift, practice the ask anyway, but, but, here, here's an analogy. Like this is, we'll go, we'll go around, come back again. Um, <laughs> your board members, your top executives, they all have to be donors to the organization as well, right? Because right. the analogy I've used in the past is that you wouldn't eat at a restaurant if the chef of the restaurant wouldn't eat there, right? If the chef says I wouldn't order anything, it's probably <laughs> a bad sign, right? So if the people closest to the organization aren't supporting the organization, that's a bad sign. So the executive director, the CEO, the president, whatever the, the top staff member is, they are not only supporting the organization, but they have to be bold in encouraging others to do the same. They have to really, and it's it takes practice, but you've got to, it's not about you. It's not about your, what they're going to say to you. It's about your acting as a champion and an advocate for the people that your mission is supporting. 
And if, if you don't, if you can't do that, if a CEO can't muster that and say, oh, I don't believe in it enough, because that's what you're saying, right? If you're not willing right. to ask, you're saying, I don't believe enough to do it. And I don't think that's true. I think if you're running an organization, you believe in that mission, you have to practice, you got to get out there and ask and ask. And if you're fortunate enough to have a fundraising team, you've got a fundraising professional in the building with you, they can help you with that ask. You can be prepared. You can, you can, you know, you're not going to go in cold. And the other issue is, you know, make sure you're asking the right person at the right time. If you're really anxious about making an ask, if it's really causing you heartburn, stop and reflect. Are you really, is this the right time mm -hmm. to make that ask? Cause you might be, your body might be telling you, Hey, it's way too yeah. early. Like you just met this dude on Tuesday. Now it's Thursday. You're not asking for a thousand bucks. That doesn't feel right. But when it does feel right, Take that pride you have in your organization and don't think of it so much as asking, but really come to a, a place of inviting, that you are inviting mm. somebody to join you in a mission that you honestly, deeply, truly believe in. And there's no shame in that. Absolutely none. That is very powerful, Nugget. I've enjoyed everything you've said, but that one, uh, for some reason, really resonated inviting them rather Invite than them. asking yeah. them. That's that's a warm and friendly way of shocking sure. with and people. it won't always work you will get told no and yeah. and that's that's hard it never it never really feels good <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times i've been told no on grants and 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 asks but but you have to believe that the mission is bigger than your feelings right now and you got to shake it off and get back get back to it because there are people who want you to succeed you've just got to find them and give them opportunity to, to do that so let's switch our focus to you a little bit. I'm wondering if all the lessons that maybe you've learned or advice that you've been given, is there some nugget that somebody gave you along the way that you'd like to share with the audience today? You know, I'll say from a fundraising perspective, sometimes the best advice is to pick up the phone and make the call. You know, sometimes, and this is not just for asking for money or asking for the meeting. Um, Mostly it's that because, you know, you can plan all you want and wish all you want, but sometimes you have to, you know, take the plunge and, and dial that phone and say, you know, Rick, I'd love to get some coffee with you and talk to you about what we're doing at the mission. Um, but it's also true for, you know, if you're working on a team and there's, there's a problem you're trying to solve by the time the third or fourth email on that topic gets sent, Hey, pick up the phone. We got to talk this out. You know, if there's conflict, if there's, if there's miscommunication amongst the team, you got to talk it out. You got to get, you know, be direct. And sometimes the the best way, you know, through is just that direct path of picking up the phone, doing that outreach, laying the case out and, and seeing where it lies. Because um, uh, sometimes we get into that uh, analysis paralysis where we spend too much time figuring out what could be instead of really thinking about what is happening right now. Mm -hmm. So let's turn our attention to tomorrow or the future. Tell me from your, yeah, right. From your perspective, where, where are you taking the firm? What's the vision for the future for you? That's a great question. And, and I, I've, um, you know, as someone who's just started, part of me is still in the, uh, in the, I'm shocked that this is working mentality. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, I can't believe it's working. Um, but long-term, you know, I, I, I want to see Resolute Philanthropy continue to grow. I want to be able to help more organizations. I'd love to be able to expand to some uh, um, organizations, maybe outside of Orange County. Um, mm -hmm. 
Uh, one day, I, I'd like to see maybe Resolute Philanthropy has more than one uh, employee. Um, that's not a, I'm not rushing for that. I right. know that's a that's a, a responsibility. Um, but I could see myself growing uh, to that that front. There's 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 so much there's so many fantastic organizations out there that I feel like I could be of service to, and I look forward to uh, finding more of them. And um, and uh, and there's so much that changes. You know, the fundraising landscape does change pretty regularly. So it's it's exciting to try to guide organizations onto, uh, you know, through some of these new uncharted waters. Yes, Orange County, Southern California is a target rich environment in the sense of how many nonprofits at the scale that you're looking at helping are really out there and could benefit benefit from your services. So if someone wants to connect with you on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. or learn more about the firm, maybe at your website or social channels, where would you tell them to go? So uh, LinkedIn, I am uh, always on LinkedIn. I've really, uh, yes, you uh, are. I've really taken to it. Um, I think it's it's a great resource, and uh, you can find me there. There's not, I don't believe there's any other Chris Biakis on LinkedIn. But if you can spell the name right and you see the bow tie, you're in the right place. Um, you can also go to my company website, which is resolutephilanthropy.com. And from there, you can schedule a discovery call with me if you'd like to uh, talk about a particular uh, fundraising or nonprofit strategy problem you're having. I wonder if you could spell your last name, Chris. Sure. Yeah. It's B-A-I-O-C-C-H-I. And it it's pronounced just like it's spelled, ladies and gentlemen. So exactly. I mean, couldn't be simpler. Couldn't be right? simpler. <laughs> well, I really want to thank you for uh, giving a little bit of your time today and sharing your knowledge and your expertise for the benefit of our community. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Rick. I I appreciate this was great. I I love what you do. And and thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. I'd like to thank the audience. You've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Chris's episode is episode number 1417 in our catalog. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur or nonprofit leader, and you'd like to share your story with our audience, then reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick, R-I-C. F-R-A-N-Z-I. That's also my website, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Mm